Steven Interviews Cool People is back after a bit of a break. Um, just had to take uh, about a month or two off to, you know, get things back in order after doing an interview with Elise from The Bachelor. But I'm back today. I'm with Cody Cooper, a comedian based out of Cleveland. Very funny guy. Cody, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, not a problem, man. And as Cody knows, but for people who are listening who don't, this is actually our second try at recording. So there is a lost <laughs> tape out there. If anyone is a Google engineer and uses Google Voice, they can find it and maybe make some make some cash off all the things Cody had to say, say last time we did this. Way more cash than I've ever made in comedy. So there's your <laughs> call to action. So Cody, want to start off with a quick quick question. Being in comedy, before we really get into everything, it is... What is the most annoying thing people say to you when they find out you do comedy? Oh, yeah. I mean, by far, tell me your best joke. That's my favorite. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just like one of those annoying things. It like makes you not even want to tell people that you do comedy because it's just like they're always going to say, oh, well, uh, let me hear your best joke. Well, it's like, first of all, I've been working on that best joke for god knows how long like it could be a year that you've been working on a joke so until you get it to a place that you want it and two it's just not going to perform the same way on telling it to somebody as it will on stage i made that mistake a million times thinking like oh okay yeah i'll tell you my joke and then they just look at you like an asshole and then you're like okay well never doing that again and then yeah so it just that never plays like it is Street jokes and street jokes for a reason, and stand-up is stand-up for a reason, and you're not supposed to <laughs> go into a bit, um, you know, to somebody just because they want you to be their jester. It's like they want you to prove that you're saying what you're saying, and it's pretty, like, insulting. Like, you wouldn't say, like, oh, I'm a sales representative, and then somebody's like, oh, sell me something. Like, it doesn't work like that, but for comedy, it does for whatever reason. I found that basically any field you're in, people have these wild misconceptions, and especially comedy. I know in my major, my undergrad, I did sports management, and people asked if I wanted to be a professional baseball coach. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think you go to school for that. That seems to be what goes. And then now I'm in journalism, and the common response I get from older people is, oh, you're some liberal journalist. I'm like, yep. Just waiting to get hired at CNN. You caught me. So it's like no one really <laughs> understands what it is. And with comedy, I have found some people have asked me, they're like, oh, can, who, my friends of mine, can I tell you my joke? I just wrote a joke. And I'm like, you are going to kill that joke if you tell it to me now because it's over text or phone. I'm not going to laugh. <laughs> I'm not at a show or anything. So have people ever asked you that? Like since they know you're in comedy – like, hey, can I pitch my joke to you? And you're like, oh, God. Um, yeah, but it's different if it's coming from another comedian. So if it's coming yeah. from another comedian, then I can kind of see I can I'm more focused on the structure of the joke rather than um, getting a response. Because, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to work with other comedians and, um, you know, bounce jokes off of them, which is something you should do, uh, you're not it's not like you're trying to get a laugh. Um, you're trying to see the viability of the joke and try and see it from another angle. Cause the problem, the problem with joke writing a lot of times is you can write a joke and uh, 
you don't see it from a certain angle that might turn somebody off. Um, like, for example, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a joke for a while that I was doing. There's a story about me on St. Patrick's Day where I got in a fight with this kid, and it was a, what I thought to be a young black man. And I got in a fight with this person, and then cops came and broke it up, and then come to find out it was uh, it was a woman the whole time. It was like a, a lesbian that was dressed up as a man. And so I got in this fight with this person. And then, like, so my whole life came falling down around me because, like, from day one, I was raised by my mom, and she's, like, never hit a woman. And so, like, like it was just a weird twist on it for me. But for the longest time when I was telling that joke on stage, I was telling it, I was mentioning that they were black, and then I would say lesbian and stuff like that. And one of my black comic friends came up to me, and he's like, hey, like, why, why do you have to say that they're black? And so, like, he challenged me to paint the picture of who I'm talking about without using those kind of now trigger words. Um, because saying black or lesbian, like, automatically puts people on the offensive. And I wasn't getting the response that I thought that the story gets when I usually talk about it um, in, like, a, a small circle of friends. So, I mean, that's... So, like, when I'm talking about a joke to a, uh, another comedian, they're if they're talking to me about it or I'm talking to somebody else, we're looking for, you know, different angles of the joke or how you might be able to progress it. Because usually you're talking about a joke if you're having trouble with it. So, um, so that's just you're not really looking for a laugh. Whereas when, like, uh, a common person that doesn't do comedy is just asking you to tell you the joke, they're just wanting to be amused and for you to, like, prove that you are what you say you are, which is a wildly rude. I like how you said a, a common person. I feel like I'm going to start using that with people be like, oh, just a commoner told me a joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I think it was uh, I think like I've heard on other podcasts from like other comedians and stuff. They call uh, they, they speak about it from like a military sense. They're like a civilian they, <laughs> comedians and civilians. Which makes me laugh. Going off what you mentioned about, you know, your joke where you had to change it up. I'm not trying to go full conservative shock jock here, but quick question on it. Like, do you find it's more difficult, like maybe in the past few years to do comedy? Are there is there more critiques of like every specific thing you're saying? Or is it just about being more like kind of aware and like not intelligent, but just kind of aware of society? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of fully loaded. So, um, it's weird. It's like, so you have like two general routes you can take in comedy. Um, one that I'm struggling with right now, you can, you can be wide, widely accepted. So you can make your material and your viewpoints, um, you know, somewhat pander to a wider audience so that you can take your material anywhere and really um, be successful to a degree. Or you can just kind of stick true to yourself and cultivate a following um, who just enjoy your viewpoint and how what you have to say, uh, whether that's not being PC or whatever. Um, like Nick DiPaolo is in the news lately. 
uh, being inflammatory or whatever and non-apologetic. He has a following. He has a a big following, and um, but he's not for the masses. Whereas like um, somebody like Brian Regan, like anybody can kind of sit down and, and listen to him. And I, I don't claim to know either one of them, but I'm sure they're satisfied with what they're doing. Um, and neither one, I, I won't say one is better comedian than the other. It's just different styles and, um, you know, it's, they're just cultivating an audience in a different way. So like that's something that, um, you know, it is hard because if you're going to a show where, uh, like for example, our, my home club is hilarities and it's, predominantly like middle-aged white crowd and they get really offended if you start talking about race because for whatever reason white people are the ones that get really offended when you talk about black people so (laughs) so if you like say something about um black people or you even bring up race a lot of times it's this weird phenomenon where they won't laugh like they should or you would expect them to and they'll, you'll actually see like a, a crowd of white people like search around for a black person in the crowd and then see if they're laughing to confirm if they are or not able to laugh at that joke. Like it is weird how like this PC culture or whatever you want to call it is affects like stand up and stuff like that. But I mean, it's like, uh, the way you got to address it is just, really just plow through it or you can either like pussyfoot around it or you can just like address it head on and then just if you do it confidently enough people you know kind of ignore what you say so not ignore but they'll they'll just go along with what you're saying rather yeah i find it fascinating that stand-up comedy which as someone in the crowd should be you know kind of a release and a kind of an escape from your everyday problems and now there's like all these like you mentioned, like dynamics like going on when people are listening, it almost seems to defeat the purpose of going to a show. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just uh, saw an article about a con- um, an Arabic or um, Middle Eastern comic in Florida where a conservative man called the police on him for doing a bit because he like did some joke about like you know. Uh, who knows, I could be like a terrorist or something and this could be it or something like he's just like making a joke that he's made years and this guy got so concerned for his own safety that he called the police and the police had to show up and like talk to the comedian. Like it wasn't a big deal, but like still like that just is a, I guess a, a big example of like how weird society has gotten about you know, talking about hot button things or whatever. Yeah, that comic was actually um, called in the Rovers Morning Glory here in Cleveland. And oh, was he? They asked him, he's like, he does his joke where he says, is there any other Middle Eastern people in here? And um, people raise their hand, you know, other Middle Eastern people. Cause they, and he's like, oh, remember, it only takes one of us. And then he pauses and then goes, to tell a joke. And he said, like, yeah, I got laughs. I do it every time. And then the guy slept on it a whole night, and then called the police. And then the police had to show up. And I think the guy's name is Ahmed Ahmed. So he made a joke about, like, oh, well, you already got my name, so this guy's already scared coming in. On his end, the comic, he's not even wasn't even offending someone. It was, like, getting 
accused of like a terrorist threat. Like, man, I don't know. And I'm guessing the guy didn't go to many comedy shows if he didn't get the whole whole shtick of it. Yeah, and I mean that's that's another problem as well. Is like that person likely got free tickets to go to that show. So a strategy that clubs use a lot of time if they're not getting high sales numbers or if it's a you know uh, like Memorial Day weekend. It's not notoriously a big comedy turnout weekend because people are outside doing stuff. So uh, a lot of times clubs will do what's called papering the room where they're, you know, giving out free tickets just to fill the room um, to make for a better show, but also to try to, you know, sell more alcohol and food. So, um, but what happens is if you do that, then the audience member doesn't have any value on the show. So if you pay for something and you want to go to something, you pay to go do that and experience that, you're going to be a better audience member automatically just because you've put forth that effort and money to do that. But if you're just handed free tickets, you must devalue the show, and those people are much more likely to be terrible audience members. Yeah, I get it, I get it from the business end, but I couldn't imagine if being a comic in a room of – a lot of free tickets, and you're like, oh, geez, like this crowd is right. It just had, it just had, it's just, it's just part of the business. I mean, like, so, like, I'll be at Hilarities next week, um, Wednesday through Sunday, and you're, you're gonna have paper seats Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, um, because they'll call out and they'll, like, they'll give, um, they'll give tickets as, like, a prize. Like, when you go, you fill out a comment card. And then you're entered to win tickets to upcoming shows. So whenever they pull your name, they'll call you and see if you want free tickets. And so they do paper the room on like Wednesdays and Thursdays because, you know, I would rather have 50 free tickets and 50 purchase tickets of people in there than just 50 people and, you know, performing at just 50 people. But, um, so I mean, it's, it's, there's a give and a take. I mean, you don't want no audience, but, you know, it's, I'd rather have an audience than no audience, but a paid audience is a lot better than non-paid. So it's just part of the business. One thing I wanted to talk about, which was in our lost tape, is about you know getting into comedy. I have several friends who, as the years have passed a bit, decided they want to get you know just try it out for different reasons. I had one friend who was in the military, moved around, and kind of has found success in a release doing it. Another friend who you know, may not be happy with his job. And it's like, you know what, I think I have a lot of stuff I could say. And just in general, I like the creative practice. So for you, what originally got you into doing comedy? Or was it something that maybe you've, you know, there was no special reason? Yeah, so, I mean, just growing up, I was always um, trying to make people laugh. And I remember, um, like, when I... A lot of times if I was in a otherwise serious event, I would always be finding myself um, trying to make people laugh. And I think a lot of it is just a defense mechanism of mine that if I uh, I have trouble taking something too seriously or not finding the humor in something. So, um, uh, so like I, I would always be making people laugh in certain situations and whatnot when maybe it wasn't appropriate. Or when I would be like supposed to be listening to my professor or teacher during high school, 
Um, you know, I would be thinking about what was funny about what was going on or thinking of a bit in my head or something. Um, so, I mean, I guess like those kind of things is what led me to think that it was something ingrained in myself that would, um, that made me want to do it. Uh, as far as like starting out, I chose to do a workshop at the Cleveland Improv here. Um, run by Dave Schwenson. So it's a class for like a month and then at the end of it they put on a show for you and all the other people that signed up for it and then you can bring all your family and friends on a Wednesday and you perform your material that you've been working on. So um, that's how I chose to get into it just because I'm more of like a structured person and I knew that I needed that structure and if I tried to go find an open mic I probably wouldn't have done it. Um, but a lot of people just start by doing an open mic. Uh, they like see one at a bar or something like that and just ask about it and um, end up putting together like five minutes and then I'll go and do those five minutes at an open mic. So, I mean, those are the two like primary ways to start doing it. So, I mean, I guess for any of your friends that want to try it or you talk to somebody that wants to try it, I'll say just try to put together five minutes worth of jokes and then. Um, you know, sign up for a class or, you know, go to an open mic or find an open mic and, uh, get up there and get your clothes in the water, I guess. So with open mics, that was the route I took a few years ago. So that's what I'm, I guess, more familiar with. What advice would you have for people who, you know, are starting comedy or just trying it out? They go to an open mic and maybe the room is just all comics. What advice would you have to like stay motivated or, um, just keep at it? Yeah, so um, when you're starting out, I mean, it's all about just getting on stage um, and just getting a laugh or a few laughs um, when you're when you're just starting. And and don't be don't be so concerned with coming up with something new every time you're up there because it's not you're not trying to play to the back of the room. That's the term that we use as far as. Um, when comedians start out, a lot of times they're at open mics where it might not be very well attended by um, common folk, if you will, and it's just comics in there. And so what's going to happen is you're going to go up on stage and the comic's going to heard what you did last week and they're just going to start looking at their phones and looking over their jokes. So you're not going to get a proper response out of them. So don't. a lot of times what somebody does is they'll say, oh, i got to come up with something new to get a reaction but that's not the right way to go about it because you're trying to you're trying to come up with a performance. You're trying to come up with a set. You're trying to come up with five minutes when you first start out that are undeniably funny and that you always consistently get laughed with those five minutes. So in order to do that, you have to polish those jokes, and you can't polish those jokes unless you keep performing them. So if you keep switching up your act just to please the other comics in the room, you're going to end up, tailoring your act to a bunch of people that don't matter in the grand scheme of things. So um, those comics aren't going to be the ones that pay to come see you later on. So if you just keep writing jokes for them, you're never going to really get anywhere. It might be fun, and if you look at it as more like a hobby, then sure, then do whatever you want. But if you if you want to do it seriously and you want to make something of it, then you can't get stuck in that rut. Another topic on kind of just starting out or maybe getting it after a little bit in comedy. One question I do have, I think is interesting. There's so many 
styles out there. Like you can go do, I mean, there's just the different types I'm off the top of my head, like a Bo Burnham style. You could do like an Aziz style, Mike Birbiglia, or like, I think it's getting more popular now, like the absurdist, like with Tim Robinson's new Netflix show where it's kind of overly ridiculous and that's a style. Do you think that as a comic, maybe starter or like once you're pretty big, do you need to stick with a certain style or do you think it's fair to like change it up or is it just something where the style is probably just organic and it's not something you really pick? Um, I think it's kind of both. And that's interesting because that's kind of where I'm stuck at right now or where I feel like I'm stuck at in my comedy career. Um, I'll throw air quotes around that. But um, because it's, it is difficult to find your voice in a sense. So, and I mean, I don't know. And, and it's always evolving. So you're always evolving. Like Steve Martin, for example, like he did his thing and now he just loves playing banjo. Like that's, that's his jam and like, whatever, that's great. And he did what he wanted to do. And now he's, you know, on to being creative in other outlets. So, um, your, your act going to evolve over time. And, um, by year five, you might hate what you were doing at year one. So, um, it's really like, so for me personally, I'm struggling because it's a pretty generic time for me to be a white, straight, bearded comic. Um, so there's a lot of us out there, and I feel like I'm having trouble um, building an identity, if you will. So um, making myself stand out from the rest of the pack. So sure, I have life experiences that are different from everybody else. But in the way that I tell them or the fashion that I do so, I don't feel like it separates me from anybody else. Now, I'm a, I would say that I'm a decent performer and I'm a decent writer. Um, but I don't, I feel like being, going on my seventh year in comedy, it's, yeah, I mean, your, your act's gonna evolve. I don't think you wanna, I think it's, it's better to experiment with those things early on um and just try different things try things that you're scared to try um just to see what it's about and see how it shapes your outlook on your set um but also i mean if you if you do become successful i mean there's nothing stopping you from you know changing what you are i mean you might lose some fans if you build a, a following but you might gain some new ones i mean it's it's the same thing as like music i mean some people love Metallica when they first came out and then think they turned into a bunch of pussies when Fade the Black came out. Um, I personally prefer Fade the Black to their earlier stuff or like anybody, the Beatles. But some people like, you know, early Beatles stuff and some people like psychedelic Beatles stuff and some people were along for the whole ride. So, I mean, there's, you can always, you know, reinvent yourself in a certain degree um, and do something different. Um, but the important thing is trying those things and seeing how you like it and seeing how it engages you as, um, as a performer and a, and a creative mind. So with that concept of like finding a voice and style, is there any one comedian out there that like really inspired you or that you really base yourself off of, or is it just a mixture of many? 
Um, not like that I base myself off of. I mean, there's some people that are my favorites, like Big J Okerson's great. Steve Byrne is great. Um, Dan Cummings is great. Um, I enjoy their styles. I like, uh, Bobby Lee is pretty absurd and he's fun. Um, just because like, I feel like my personality off stage, like, I, I get a lot of shit for being like a, like a frat boy kind of, uh, guy to hang out with. Like, where I'm just fucking around with my, like, guy friends and stuff and, um, just like, you know, outgoing. I was never in a frat, but that's what I get labeled as. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, like those kind of styles. Um, uh, there was one other that I, I can't think of at the moment, but, um, but yeah, those, those comics are people that I look to because they're, they're very funny, but they're also very topical and they can, they can really like milk an idea. Um, they can take something past just like the first laugh. So they have a concept that's funny, but then they, they further it and they may, they go into like uncharted territory, if you will. Um, Chad Daniels is another one that I was uh, trying to think of. I don't know. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, so I mean, all of those guys are super hilarious and people that I like look to and like I, I hope that I can be more like that, but it's hard because you don't want to be like that. You want to be yourself, but that's like the, that's what you enjoy as a comedian. Uh, you enjoy watching you perform. Yeah. I think that's the tricky part is you, if you want to maybe emulate someone, you don't want to like steal their style because obviously that's like the big no, no in any creative um, field. But I myself personally struggle with that. Cause I'm like, Oh, I like these comedians. And I'd find myself not use not saying their material, saying my own stuff, but then maybe like using a mannerism or something. I'm like, man, I gotta stop doing that. So it's like tough. It was like getting in that mindset of, all right, just really focus on your own voice and you know your own style. So there's no confusion whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, and it's hard. And and for a long time, I didn't. I purposefully wouldn't watch other stand-up comedy like. If I was at a show, I would watch like my friends or people I knew. Um, but even that would, even that would happen. Like, um, local, like Bill Squire and Brian Kenny are two of my, um, best friends in, in comedy. But, and unfortunately, I, you know, we're both, uh, chubby, white bearded, straight males. And, <laughs> and so like I would find myself on stage and, I would say something in a cadence that one of them would say a joke in. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I sound just like them right now. And I've even been told that sometimes, like, oh, it sounded like Brian Kennedy. Son of a bitch. Because we get, you know, mistaken for one another just based on appearance. And I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to make the evolution of me turning into Brian Kennedy complete. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it is something you have to fight off. And especially for me, because I'm very impressionable. Um, like I in college, I would quote, I would quote movie lines from movies that I never saw, but I was just quoting them because all my roommates would, you know, had seen it and they were joking about it. And so I, I know that about myself. So that's why I try to um, be more cognizant of it. Um, so yeah, it is hard to like look up to somebody and not become them and try to find your own voice. Yeah. So I've asked about like some, you know, challenges and stuff or 
difficulties of doing comedy, but I guess a more lighthearted question. What's your favorite thing, you know, about doing stand-up and maybe, like, looking forward to a show? Like, what's your favorite thing that stands out to you? Um, maybe, I mean, if, if it's leading up to a show, um, if I'm, if I'm working with somebody that I haven't before or somebody that I look up to, um, that's always fun. Um, but usually if, if I'm just working on a new bit, um, or something that I'm excited about, like I just wrote it and it's new and it's fresh and I'm excited to tell it, um, I get excited about that as far as like post performance. What I, you know, what I would get excited about is, of course, if that new joke went well or, um, you feel really like affirmed in, in that. Um, I like doing, you know, like if I fall into a crowd work and that goes really well and I can risk for a little bit and just be me, um, because that's when you're, you're truly just going to be yourself because you're having conversations. Um, so that's that's always fun, or you know, I mean, trying new things. It's it's pants shittingly terrifying to try new things, but when you do it and it, you know, you feel uh, validated afterwards. Why didn't I do that more? And then you get scared to do it for another few months. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, those are the things that really get me like going or make me feel validated in, in what I'm doing. Yeah, the the positives of it. I think, I mean, that's true of anything. It's what makes it worthwhile. But especially with comedy, it's like there's a lot of positives out there that could overtake maybe the negative feelings someone could get. Or if they do a show, no one laughs, but it's just because of the crowd. It's like, okay, well, I got to work with this person or I got to do this. So it's like there were still some positives from it. So kind of wrapping up here, I for listeners out there, I have to thank Cody once again. This is a second try, and it is... Well, it's not that it's not early in the morning for normal people, but it is early for me. Um, but what is maybe one your or your best piece of advice for someone who is on the fence about trying to go, you know, to an open mic or an improv class to kind of break into or not break into, but just try to do comedy? You know, just do it and get it out of the way and, you know, try it. And who knows? I mean, you might become addicted to it and, and it might be a, a new love of yours that, that you just can't stop doing. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely just do it. I mean, it's, it sounds like such a, I don't know, stupid-ass cliche thing to say. Um, but it's it's just, a, especially with stand-up it's one of those things that you just have to throw yourself into and you'll find out very quickly if it's something that you want to continue doing or if you just want to be like, well, got that off my book list. Well, my takeaway from your response is that you should do it because if you don't, you will <laughs> you will despise your future family um, for holding you back. Yeah, I mean, there's more to that. I mean, there, there's a book uh, called The War of Art and they talk about a lot about that, a lot about um, art. Uh, art-minded types and like people that are artists and um, if they don't make time to pursue their art and to feel fulfilled in themselves they'll that'll end up turning into resentment towards their you know the people around them 
Uh, and then they'll find ways to point fingers at them. And so I think, I think there's a lot of like bitter ass, like married dudes, any married dude that gives you like a shitty stock married joke about like, man, my wife, bleh. And then they're probably just miserable bastards that never had the courage to pursue whatever they wanted to. And now that's festering and it's become, you know, toxic to them and the people around them. So, I mean, that's something that I make sure that I do. And, you know, it's something my wife knows that it's very important to me. So she's always encouraging of me because it's just, it's not going to end up well for anybody. It's, if I don't have that outlet and I don't feel validated in what I'm doing. Yeah, I completely agree with that. It's just that, like, and it's also good you're with someone who understands that because I feel like there's a lot of people who might get in, you know, be married or dating someone, whatever it may be, and the person is okay with it at first, and they're like, all right, you can't do that anymore. Like, you can't, like, you can't do comedy anymore. It's like, what? Like, that doesn't sound like a healthy situation. Right, right. No, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not going to say that it's like always easy. Like if I, if we have plans on a weekend and, you know, somebody calls me and is like, hey, I want to give you this weekend at this club. And it's like, I can't pass up that opportunity. So I might have to cancel date night or something like, you know what I mean? So it's not, it's not always like, oh yeah, I'm so happy for you. Go and chase it. Like, of course there's, you know, some blowback from that and being in a relationship, but I mean, on the whole, uh, you know, my wife at least is very supportive, and um, I think you need that as somebody pursuing something that they're passionate about, and um, that they might not be super successful at when they first start. So, um, it's important to have that around you because your your own conscience is going to be, you know, taking a shit on you most of the time anyway. You're going to have those questions and self reflections and should I even be doing this? Am I even funny enough for this? And why, why aren't I doing better? And so if you're already saying that and somebody else is supposed to you is mirroring that, it's super toxic to be around. Um, you know, and then it just ends up evolving into bitterness and it's just unhealthy mentally and emotionally all around. Yeah, and like you mentioned, there are other people who, I'm sure you've seen it countless times. I've seen it a few times in the not that many shows I've gone to where, some people go on stage and they'll be like, yeah, my wife is such a bitch. But they don't say it in a funny way and they're like clearly being serious. And then they get off stage and they're still kind of mad. And they're like, you're like, oh, what's wrong? You're like, it's my wife. I'm like, oh, that wasn't a joke. Right, right. And that's, that brings up another good point is that um, a lot of people like a lot of people start comedy or try comedy for the first time after or during like an emotional event. So, um, like you were saying, somebody's tired of their job. And so stand-up is alluring because it's kind of like free in like whatever. But, um, uh, or a lot of times if people just went through a divorce, they'll get up there. And it's, sometimes it's really sad because they just get up there and like being self-deprecating is one thing, but um, at some point it turns into just like this audience feeling bad for you and then you just don't want that to end up being the situation or you're just being a dick to your wife like it's like well if you're so mad about it change it you pussy instead of telling us all about it and bringing us down like we're here to laugh and now we're just sad for you and your wife so it's like um that's an important like line the toe i guess 
um, when when thinking about what you're going to say on stage. To actually wrap up, I remembered a question I wanted to ask last time. Forgot, but now I remembered it. And it is a comedy-related question, and it is, what is more uncomfortable, watching someone bomb and not realize they're bombing or watching someone bomb and they know they're bombing and they're clearly getting nervous? Oh, definitely knowing that they're bombing. Uh, it's, uh, I can't even, like, you know, like when you're watching a sitcom and, like, there's those cringy moments where you're just like, ugh, you just feel gross. Like, multiply that by 10 because it's a live performance. And, like, a lot of times I can't even watch it. Like, I'll turn around and I'll just face the wall like a child being punished because I just can't take it. <laughs> like, it's just miserable. Um, but, yeah, I thought you were going to ask what's worse, watching somebody bomb or bombing yourself. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Um, yeah, but, like, watching somebody bomb. And it's and it's funny. It, it can be fun if it's somebody that you know is, like, competent and successful in comedy. And they're just going up there and they're just doing the jokes that they know work and that you know work. But they're just the crowd is just giving them nothing. And so, like. A lot of times at shows like that, you'll hear your friends or like other comics laughing in the background because they know that you know what you're doing, but you're just not getting the response that you should be. So they're just like laughing at shit, um, which is, you know, kind of a kick in the dick, but it's also like part of the camaraderie of it. Like your, your uh, best friends in comedy aren't always going to be the ones laughing hardest at your jokes, but they'll be laughing the hardest when you're eating shit on stage. So Yeah, you mentioning having to turn around. I remember, I think it was like the second show I went to, show, it was just an open mic in Cleveland with my friend. When we were like 19, he wanted to start doing comedy. So I'm like, I'll go watch, you know, when you go. And this one guy, it's always stuck in my head because it was so bad. He was just totally bombing. And he was like, oh, I'm bombing. I'm, pro- I'm like a terrorist. And then immediately looks to a girl at the bar. He goes, you laughed at that. You're cute. What's up? And it was like totally serious, and everyone was just like head in their hands. I'm like, and I, he still had several minutes left. I'm like, why is this person? Why did they leave the house? I don't understand. Right, right, yeah, and because yeah, it's like, it's like watching that fight or flight take over because they're like, all this shit that I prepared for is gone out the window, and I'm just floundering up here, and I'm just grasping at anything I can to try to like not feel like I feel at this very moment. And so that, that happens. It, it happened to me whenever I, I tried um, doing improv for the first time and I <laughs> said an inflammatory word in a, in an improv jam uh, to the person that I was improving with. And there was a hush that fell upon the crowd <laughs> and they were just, I was just like, yep, improv is probably not for me. Uh, so, that was just funny. On that note, I could talk about comedy all day. I really enjoy it. Um, that'll do it for this interview. Cody, do you want to kind of like plug where people can find you online and any shows you got going on? Yeah, you can follow me at the Cody Cooper on Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm just Cody Cooper on Facebook if you want to me a request and if you're thinking about comedy and you want to you know ask me anything feel free to reach out to me or shoot me a message on facebook or instagram or whatever uh, and i'll be happy to help um as far as performances i can usually be found at great lakes brewery in cleveland on mondays with bill squire 
Um, on Thursdays, I help run a show at East End Bistro in Lakewood. Um, that's a lot of fun. Um, every other Wednesday at Brunettes down in Gordon Square. And then I'll be at Hilarities next week uh, with Brennan Schaub, ex-UFC fighter. Um, and that's actually my first week uh, featuring at Hilarities. So that's a, a big accomplishment um, for me. So I'm excited about that. So um, that's where I'll be coming up. As for me, this show, Steam Interviews Cool People, can be found online wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to leave a review because those make me feel good inside. Um, ratings, you know, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all that. Search for social media wise, Kibitza Rights, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Be sure to check out the YouTube channel. We'll have a Jared Leto themed video coming up, which will feature me in full makeup, emo makeup. So that should be fun. And. I started a Patreon for fun. My friend Brandon contributes to it, who does comedy, so very nice guy. And have to give a shout-out to my first-ever childhood friend, Scott. He donated as well. Uh, so that was very nice. and almost made me tear up. So thank you to all those people. And you could find that. There will be a link to that in this episode. So, Cody, once again, thank you for coming back and doing this interview. I got a double dose of it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm